Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Glad to have you all with us for the uh, first Political Rewind of the week. Um, So in transparent, got to be transparent here. You know, our effort on every show is to balance our panel to have a a Republican and a Democrat or a conservative and someone who's a bit more liberal. And uh, we've managed that for more than five years now. I don't want to call out an individual by name, but I will tell you that as of the time we go on the air, we don't have our Democratic woman here yet. Now, I'm hopeful she will show up. She will be here and she will catch up. Yeah, that's Jim Galloway. He is here, as he always is, on Mondays and Fridays. He, of course, is the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the paper, and he oversees the Political Insider blog. Um so, Jim, you're sitting across from Mark Roundtree, who we know pretty well and have for quite a long time. He is the president and the founder of Landmark Communications, political consulting firm that works with Republican candidates primarily. Do you represent any? Have you represented Democrats in your career? Or do you pretty much stick to the Republican Party? We're a Republican firm yeah. at Landmark Communications. There are instances where we may have worked in a, uh, a Democratic primary against another Democrat, but we have never run a Democrat campaign against a Republican in 30 years. Gotcha. Because... God forbid, what would happen if you did? <laughs> well, I mean, and the Democrats a lot of times do not like their political yes, no, consulting I, groups, and yeah. so they, they seek alternatives, but we don't run races against Republicans. Do yet. I remember you being active in Henry County in some fashion a while back? Oh, yes. We've done a lot of work in Henry County, actually. Uh, State Representative Welsh down there. We've done the uh, county chairmanships and county mm-hmm. commission races a lot. Mark is also uh, one of the uh, most highly respected pollsters without regard to party affiliation in uh, Georgia. And uh, again, without regard to the fact that you were a Republican consultant, you have uh, polled for Channel 2 News and other uh, media organizations. So a little later in the show, we're going to talk about Im- the impeachment polls, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Okay? I do, too. All right. Um, so let's start. Um, like, as I said, we're sort of operating with one arm behind our back today. So, Mark, you're going to have to represent both the Republican. First, you can talk as the conservative you, that you are. Then I'm going to ask you to pretend you're a liberal and, you know, give the liberal argument of the same issue, okay? I do my best. <laughs> all right. Just, and and all, of the, all of this without a, 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 any graduation from the state bar. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, Jim Galloway, let's start with an interesting local issue that popped up over the weekend. I, I actually read it in the Political Insider blog. Up in uh, Pickens County, the uh, school superintendent there, Carlton Wilson, made a decision that was announced recently uh, about transgender students. He said that uh, the uh, transgender students, and there are apparently several of them in Pickens County, would uh, be able to use the bathroom of their choice. He apparently based his decision on a federal court ruling in Florida, which said, you know, the law should, uh, the law says transgender students should be able to use the bathroom of choice. And of course, what a surprise, it's kicked up quite a controversy. There's a big town meeting up there at Pickens High School tonight, and there are apparently, according to the AJC, some pretty angry parents. Yeah, and it's, it, it is, you know, it's, these kind of uh, situations put the school district in a really difficult uh, situation. Because you you know you may you may have parents uh, talking about uh, uh, student A or student B or student Z, and of course you know, school districts cannot they 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 they, they are very very tightly uh, restricted as to what they can say about individual students by 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 federal and state privacy laws. Mark, um, we should point out that uh, when a few years back, uh, President Obama issued. Not an executive order, but what they called a guidance from the Department of Education, which said the same thing, essentially, that schools, public schools, should uh, establish policies that would mandate that transgender students use the bathroom of the gender with which they identify. 
And Georgia was one of the states, Sam Olins at the time was attorney general, that uh, uh, sued the federal government saying that this is another example of federal intrusion into state uh, or local affairs. Yes, they did. Um, And then shortly after President Trump was elected, President Trump rescinded those guidelines allowing uh, states to decide for themselves. And I guess they could anyway, but the guidelines were removed. So what are the issues here? Um, there, parents who are opposed this, to this uh, have said up in Pickens and in other places where this has occurred that f- that they believe there's a safety issue here. Now, I, I don't know uh, if you've uh, spent time thinking about this issue in any depth, but what I mean, I, I'm trying to understand whether this is cultural warfare cultural warfare or something much more grounded and realistic than that? Maybe a little of both. Um, You know, you you also have, politically speaking, you have um, Republicans who have some difficult time because some of them are going to take the approach of this is a state choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Some don't want it to be a state choice. They 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 don't want interv- they don't want states to sign. And then others at the state level, it could be a county level issue, local control. And li- civil, civil libertarians may split off from conservatives and liberals on this. So it it is one of those that cuts different directions. Uh, we had we had something like this going on in 2016 over in Fannin County. And to me, it's it's interesting that so so you've got a situation. We've got two instances over a couple of years, and both are in North Georgia. And mm-hmm. and 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 there's something interesting happening here. Is 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 that you've got North Georgia traditionally is a very very conservative yeah. place. Whether it was even right. when it was Democrat or Republican didn't matter. All right, but you've got this <clears throat> this uh, over over the last two three decades, you've got this growing tourist element growing uh, going up in in North Georgia in the mountains areas uh, of a thriving uh, tourism economy going. And so you've got, and, and with that has come a, an influx of, of, of many people from Metro Atlanta, including a large uh, LGBT uh, uh, population. In Fannin County, uh, I, I think, let me see here, it's a statistic that I came through here from, from, from Georgia Equality that after Fulton County and DeKalb County and maybe one other county, the highest per capita uh, uh, population of 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 uh, of of gays in in Georgia is in in Fannin and Towns County up there. So you've got this you've got this mixture of cultures that are happening, and I think that's I think that's part of what's driving this. Well, okay, it's interesting you said that because as soon as you did, Jim, I went to my magic Google machine to look at 2016 election results, and in Fannin County, uh, which as you point out is you know really been a conservative area. Donald Trump won 82 percent of the vote. So, you know, people who are that uh, conservative, I I would guess it's not unfair to suggest they probably would be opposed to um, this ruling, uh, the ruling they had in Fannin. Mm -hmm. And in Pickens, uh, he won 83 percent of the vote. So your point is well taken. These are very conservative places. But their economies are changing. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, on the cultural war front, Mark, what, is this an issue that Republicans can embrace and run with in that county and elections coming up in the next set, uh, uh, elections up that way for county commission or whatever? Um, it, 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 as a political consultant, is this the kind of issue you you think your candidates, uh, if you had them in an area like that, would want to be involved well, I mean, with? Or do you, realistically. You avoid Realistically, Republicans are going to win if you're referring to kind of a Democrat versus Republican Doesn't thing. Republicans matter. are going to win regardless of the position Oops. they take in gotcha. Fannin and All in right. Pickens. If you have a candidate who is, might face a uh, a challenge from the right, do you have to jump in on an issue like this? You mean in a Republican yeah, primary? Of course, in a Republican I, primary. I mean, it's not clear that any candidate up there has taken this was a, this was a move by the school superintendent no, I understand not an that official. but I'm asking how it plays as an election issue is what I'm asking now within a Republican yeah, primary exactly I'm, I'm, of course there are going to be people that you know oppose the idea of self-selection of which restroom you go to I think there are a lot of parents particularly of girls that are concerned about that and um, so I think that is definitely an issue and I don't think it's just going to be relegated to Republican primaries I think um, Probably in a general election, it could be an issue as well. Yeah, um, it's interesting uh, that in the uh, in the in that that a school superintendent 
in uh, in one of the counties uh, who was that was involved in this said that if they allowed this to happen, teenage boys would, quote, storm into the girls' bathroom if given the choice because of this. Uh, I got I to tell you, uh, 40, 45 years ago that happened, and we didn't have the, uh, the transgender situation. I, I don't mean to laugh at it, but it's just, Jim, I, it, it isn't funny. But it just strikes me that these are the kinds of culture wars. Look what happened in North Carolina as a result of this. It's, it, I just, this is, to me, I can't help but wonder if this is, look over here, because if you look over here, you won't see the big stuff that's happening in front of you. Uh, it's, it's one of these, I mean, well, first of all, I, I would say there, there is nothing more, nothing more intimate in, in politics than, than your local school. Yeah. Uh, and 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 in that situation, you 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 tend to invest a whole lot of attention in that, uh, and and of course, uh, religion is a big factor. Yeah. This is a this is a. Uh, I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I don't think I, I I think you would see that uh, uh, church attendance in in North Georgia is is far higher there than almost anywhere else in the U.S. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we will watch how this plays out in Pickens County. I just thought it was an interesting issue because I kind of thought after what we saw happen in North Carolina with uh, the NCAA, uh, corporations pulling away from the, the, the state. difference. The difference there was that it was the North Carolina General Assembly. It was a getting, state. It was, it, was well, a, it was the Capitol getting gotcha, involved in that. Gotcha. Okay. That's fair enough. Jim, while we're talking about a state issue, and before we do turn to impeachment, which always sends us down a rabbit hole from which we cannot escape. Um, it, I, I saw another article that I thought was interesting in the AJC of, in the Insider this week, and that is that there appears to be Senator uh, a number of people in the Capitol, including Harold, including Harold Jones, I believe. Senator Harold Jones are looking at the fact that we now have something like twelve municipalities across Georgia that have decriminalized. Uh, possession of an ounce or less of marijuana. And I think those uh, areas cover something like 1.2 million Georgians. Yeah, about about 11% of the population. So Harold Jones, among others, they're saying this kind of patchwork, hodgepodge, Chambly's decriminalized, uh, you know, uh, Marietta's not, just doesn't work. We ought to address this as a legislature. And, and what's interesting is, as soon as that that that, that article was posted, there was a a, a a a Twitter message that came out of the speaker's office from from uh, Caleb McMitchin, his his spokesman, and it said, "In a word, no, no, no." And it, it, this this goes back to the uh, medicinal marijuana debate yeah. uh, that that's that's been in the Capitol for the last four years, and part of the bargain. Of of passage of medicinal, medicinal marijuana has been that the rest of the wall on on marijuana enforcement would hold, and and uh, I think that's the so you've got a, a, a house speaker right now who is not interested in, in in breaching that. Yeah, Mark, that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. This is the kind of slippery slope that some lawmakers back in the midst of the medical marijuana debate envisioned that it would, you know, slowly what we would do is move toward uh, decriminalization or legalization of ret- recreational marijuana. Right. And, and so it's no wonder that the speaker so quickly put the brakes on this thing. Well, and, you you know, you do have in Clarkston, Georgia, the mayor over there had endorsed and they I guess they sort of passed one of these um, the sort of statements you, the of mayor and U.S. Senate candidate. And now that's where, that's where I was going with it. Is yeah. He is going to be running with this as an issue. And it may be, you know, in my industry, we call it Bubba food. It's not going anywhere. And he's just going to be placating people with with sort of a an argument or a narrative that he's going to do something about legalization of marijuana. But in reality, he won't. But it, but they can use it for political purposes. But but, but I'll tell you, look, uh, uh, attitudes are changing. They are in flux. Uh, and and this is something that, you know, the, yeah, the wall may hold for, for, for a number of years yet, but eventually I think there's going to be a breach. What's interesting, I think, that uh, Alan Peake, the state representative who was, sure. who was uh, behind, uh, out of Macon, who was behind the, the medicinal marijuana uh, 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 push, uh, while he was in office, of course, he was, you know, he was steadfast against uh, any, any change uh, in state attitudes toward recreational marijuana. 
he's now rethinking uh, the, the 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 AJC article you talked about yep. it has him rethinking that now. Yeah. Uh, and and look, you've got uh, I think. Uh, just generally speaking, experts are saying that you know there's that that marijuana use is is equal equal uh, among all kind of demographics uh, of young people, but they're also finding out that sixty four percent of the arrests are of African Americans. Yeah, that's, that's double that's doubled their population yeah. in Georgia. Yeah, so there is a social justice issue here, uh, Mark. If that's the case, if blacks and whites are using marijuana equally, but it's uh, African Americans who are arrested and thrown in jail, uh, there is that component of it to uh, take into consideration, too, isn't there? I think that'll be part of the debate. I don't know what more to say to that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's look at another issue that we have bubbling up in the... Well, I don't know if it's an issue. Let me me say it's a curiosity. Let me start with that, Jim. Barry Loudermilk, 11th District Republican congressman, been in office five years, something like that, six years, longer than that. Oh, I think longer than that. Longer? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have to look him up. The point is, he's entrenched, I think it's safe to say, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, it is. Uh, but here's what, it's interesting that he's now drawn a Democrat who wants to uh, uh, oppose him in that race, Dana Barrett. She's a former WGST talk show host. She calls herself a social liberal and a fiscally responsible moderate. Laudermilk won that seat in 2016 with 61% of the vote. Trump won the district by 25% that same year. So, Jim, just interesting that she's jumped into what is a tough, tough race. And, and Mark, here, Mark, you probably have the better figure on, on handle on, on the numbers here. But in 2018, you know, that, that race was a little bit closer than 61%. Yep. And I believe the Democrat carried Cobb County. Which is a, a a a large portion of that. I mean, uh, a lot of milk was saved by uh, Bar- Bartow County, and I think where, do, where uh, Cherokee is, is where he of, is. There's a part of Fulton in there, actually. Yeah, well, the, uh, that's true. Right, right, right. Uh, so I I think and and look, uh, the Democrats are making a big push in 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 Cobb County right now. So do I think do I think Loudermilk's in, in trouble? No, but I think I think she could make a a, a pretty good showing. Mark. She will not win that district in a in a gov- no. in a governor year or a presidential year. That district is just going to be too Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they're, they're going to their Democrats will try to run someone in every district. I think that's going to be part of the strategy for them in two thousand and twenty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Jim Galloway, you once again have pushed me to go to the magic Google machine where it no, it tells me that in twenty eighteen, Laudermilk did win sixty, actually sixty two percent of the vote. Okay, against a relatively uh, Flynn Brody mm-hmm. Jr., the Democrat in that race, who who won thirty eight percent of it. But I think uh, he still won Cobb. Okay, well, Trump, that, Trump you know the what, I should have looked at that. I Trump carried the district by 25, and mm-hmm. so if Trump is winning the district down ticket, Republicans are going to generally even do better than that. That's right, I, I think I think what it does is it's going to generate some interesting numbers uh, for uh, uh, to be used during redistricting, uh, because because Republicans are going to have to try to figure out how, how they can draw their lines to, 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 to better defend themselves over the years ahead. Um. All right, I'm going to be. And f- what's going to affect that is going to be the McBath race, realistically, and and congressional district seven, the Woodall district. Mm-hmm. Um, those are going to be the districts that you draw around. If you elect two Repu- two Democrats, if two Democrats were to win those two districts, I wouldn't be surprised to see them running against each other two years later, and that would free up some Republican areas. Okay, let's jump around. Let's play. Uh, let, let's play. You know, you say a name, we talk about it. Lucy McBath. You had an interesting piece today. Uh, about the fact that Lucy McBath, who everybody thinks could be very, very vulnerable to a a strong Republican challenge, she is not high on the list of a a group that is going to... Put money into about half a dozen races or so. Yeah, this was this was this was a, a a kind of a campaign announced by a group called American First Policies. It's yeah. a it's a it's a pack that's 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 associated with Donald Trump. I'm not sure. I, I'm sure they tried to keep themselves at, at arms arms length of it, but they announced a million dollar candidacy uh, a campaign to go after the 28, 28 uh, uh, swing members of Congress, Democratic swing members, uh, who who might be vulnerable on the impeachment issue. 
and you know they're doing the Facebook thing, uh, they're doing the they're doing the the, the text messaging thing, the 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 TV compor- compartment, which to me is 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 kind of the high priority. You, put, you that's where you that's where you that's you, 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 your best targets are. You put your best targets on. Uh, the districts they're choosing are the uh, Iowa one, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia seven, and Pennsylvania eight. Uh, McBath's sixth district is not on there. Interesting. And 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 if you look at it, I started. What I did was I started comparing some uh, some census data, and looking at the two, the kind of the two new fissures that are jumping up in in, in, in politics now is on education. Trump is is really kind of you, you see you see college educated uh, uh, the college educated drifting more to, more toward Democrats. You see non college educated uh, leaning hard toward Trump. Uh, and and Republicans and and age. There's there's a, a kind of a a, a a cliff somewhere around the age of fifty to fifty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 it's and you know young, the younger you are, the more you list Democrat. And in each one of those cases, I think uh, uh, the the sixth district is is younger, and it's far more uh, has far more college educated members in it. Uh, so and and I think that's a signal well, you know, that it might be a little bit harder to crack than Republicans. The reason think. they don't take on a lot of the special interests don't take on Metro Atlanta districts is the sheer expense mm-hmm. of running in Metro Atlanta. A, a two hundred thousand dollar expense in Iowa is massive. In mm-hmm. Atlanta, yeah. it's, it's a few mail pieces. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. nothing in Metro Atlanta, and you can't even get up on television for two hundred thousand dollars with any appreciable buy. So that's the reason a lot of the special interests stay out of Metro Atlanta, other than to do direct advertising like Facebook and the rest. But even Facebook advertising is more expensive in Metro Atlanta than it is in Iowa or Pennsylvania, just because of the amount of inventory that's available. All right, let's um, do this. Let's get a, a break, our first break of the show out of the way. And when we come back... Um, We've got a few more things we can clean up in state politics, but but I'm really looking forward, Mark Roundtree, to uh, talking about the polling that we've seen on impeachment and getting your take on uh, where you see these polls heading. And um, we'll take up that and a lot more on Political Rewind after this. Are you thinking of getting rid of your old car, truck, or RV? GPB's vehicle donation program is here to help. Donating has never been easier. We'll take care of everything, including free pickup of your vehicle. Just go to gpb.org cars or call 877-GPB-1-CAR. That's 877-472-1227. And thanks so much. President Trump got elected on a promise to repeal Obamacare. Those efforts failed, so he changed tactics, getting rid of the law piecemeal. The individual mandate is gone, the most unpopular part of Obamacare, and we almost have Obamacare gone. We're close. How the administration has changed the law and the impact it's had. This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. 4 till 7 today on GPB and gpbnews.org. We're back on Political Rewind. Mark Roundtree uh, is with us. So is Jim Galloway. I mentioned at the top of the show, and I'll repeat it again at least one more time. Our Democrat, our Democratic woman, is not uh, with us today. There appears to have been a scheduling issue that we weren't aware of, and uh, that's fine. We'll get along just fine. We're operating, as I said, without our usual balance, with one arm tied behind our back. But Mark Rountree's an equitable guy, Jim. He's not gonna, he's not gonna go off on a partisan rant. No, on no, because he'd like in, to come in, back in, to in, the in, show sometime. In, in the last half hour, he's supposed to take the Democratic side. <laughs> yeah, right? that's exactly right. He'll yeah, switch seats. Yeah. Uh, Mark, let, and and Jim, of course. Let, let's talk a little bit about where we see the impeachment polls heading right now. Um, so. The one that everybody is paying a lot of attention to, of course, is a Fox News poll that uh, looked at voters between October 6th and October 8th, so well into the impeachment investigation window. And uh, they found that 51 percent of their their universe supports impeachment and removal of Donald Trump from office. That's up from 42% in July. 4% said that Trump should be impeached but not removed. 40% said he should not be impeached. That is down from the July numbers where they had 45% who say that he uh, should not be impeached. What's interesting about this, I think, 
uh, Mark, is that the president's approved job performance in this Fox poll, well, a couple things. One, smaller numbers of Republicans, of course, are weighing in on, yes, he should be impeached and removed or investigated. But to continue what I said, his job performance numbers haven't moved much. Uh, in September, they, he, was, he had 45 percent approval in the Fox poll. He's, only got, he's got 43 today. That's almost a statistical anomaly, I would imagine, isn't it, Mark? And his disapproval numbers, 54 percent in September, 55 percent now. The numbers aren't that different. And the reason they're not that different is that that poll was a mistake. The poll was actually conducted by Braun Research, the poll you're referring to, the Fox News poll. Mm -hmm. They had the weighting of Democrats at 48 percent of the poll when it really should have been in the upper 30s. So they overweighted Democrats. I don't think it was anything nefarious. I think it's one of those things that sometimes pollsters in a rush inadvertently move through numbers without really stepping back and doing quality control. But that number was, uh, was off. And so, yes, it, it was newsworthy because it was Fox. Trump attacked them for yeah. the poll, in fact, by name. But, um, but, but I think realistically, there was a lot of criticism for the weighting of that poll. How about the weighting of independence? Um, let's see. I can pull it up right here. Um, yeah, the independents didn't move that. I, mean, I don't see and, it. And that was, that was the most important part. Yeah, of it, but I they think. didn't move that much. I think there's like 3% bump up. Democrats in, went up a little bit. Independents went up a couple of points. Yeah, Republicans were about the same. But yet they had a big spike in the number of overall people because they overweighted the Democrats. So within the Democrats, it had moved up just a little bit. And this was in the you got to remember, this was also in the moment where Nancy Pelosi, you know, broke into prime time, uh, prime time news saying they were going to support impeachment. So there was a few points realistically of real rise, probably from impeachment. It was not 51 percent. And, and really nobody else is finding those numbers. Well, no, okay. First of all, I want to ask you. You seem to have a pretty good understanding of the. As you say, who is the poll, polling firm on this? Braun Research. Braun. Do, for, do, for we, Fox do we know the size of their sample? Do you have those those figures? I mean, is it a you're, you're concerned about the weighting of the poll? But I mean, are they are they looking at you know? 1,100, 1,200 people? Are they looking at a much smaller sample? If well, you don't if you, have it, that's fine. I don't have it right. Well, okay. I can actually pull it up. But, the, but the, the issue is not how big the numbers were. It could be a million people. If you've overweighted the number right. of Democrats Clearly. as part of the— or over, if you overweight Republicans. And it's a problem that pollsters do make, um, that, that you can overweight African Americans, you can overweight white voters, you can overweight Republicans. And sometimes it's a, ma a matter of, 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 of kind of guessing at, at enthusiasm, Correct. Yeah, because there's also an estimate of, you know, it's sort of subjective how many people say they're Democrat versus Republican. Um, I mean, realistically, when we're doing polling, we find women answer the phone a lot more often than men. Older voters answer the phone just drastically more often than younger voters. And so you, you do there is a there is a subjective guess as to what. Um, as to what your partisanship is. And that's why we never virtually, unless it's just become required for a particular purpose, we don't wait at landmark communications by party because that can be a moving number, whereas something empirical like race or age, things we can check against a database, those are going to be fairly immobile. You know, it's interesting. Um, but, but okay, Mark, you've told us something that I don't think is – I haven't heard it reported anywhere – uh, and, and a lot of news organizations, uh, in addition to the president himself, are calling attention to the Fox numbers. Al mm -hmm. Although Fox, it would be a mistake to think that Fox polling over, say, the last year has been highly favorable or beneficial in some way oh, to the president. We, and, and haven't we seen the same general movement on several on, on That's on what I was – yeah, that was like, the uh, next There was an NPR yes. poll and a small CBS jumps, poll. But the one that caught the eye, and that's why we're talking about it, was the Fox poll because right, it was right, so dramatic. Sure. And people, of course, have a you know visceral reaction to Fox a lot of times. It's either – you love them or you hate them. And, but their polling and, is pretty much But the much polling is down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their polling is very much down the line and is considered a rather accurate polling company, actually. The, um, the NPR poll that you talked about, uh, Jim, shows that 52 percent, and I don't have the dates of this, but I'm assuming it's in early October, 52 um, percent say they approve of the inquiry, 43 percent disapprove. Uh, it's a slight increase uh, from two weeks ago when 49 percent approved, 46 disapproved. Um, but here, the, the uh, NPR uh, uh, release on this, uh, Mark says that 
the uptick in support for the impeachment investigation does come from swing voters, from a swing among independent voters who are moving a little bit more into the column of, of uh, supporting the the investigation, if not the outright impeachment. And that's the, you're referring to the Fox poll? There? That's the NPR poll. Um, going Stepping back just for one moment, you asked me to just confirm how many yeah. people were in the Fox poll yeah. and were on research poll, and that was 1,003. So that's about a 3%. Um, and they were, okay. they were registered voters, not active voters, which is a big difference as well. It's going to be more democratic when you go to registered voters yeah, as opposed to active. Uh, uh, active voters and likely voters are somewhat similar? They didn't even um, – they didn't really even com- – connect to likely voters. This was just straight. Uh, yeah, registered, registered voters. voters. Re- registered voters are, I mean, it's, you know, you're drawing from a list. You're not looking at their history. Right. You don't know, you know, whether they show up every other election or every other, every third election. And that's, you know, uh, polling companies will do that. The, um, you know, when you're this far out on an election, I, I, I presume because one of it is is an expense because it's harder to track down those those the likely voters, the ac- active voters. Everyone is going to tell you they're a likely voter at this stage. In fact, mm-hmm. that's the dirty secret in polling. Not to get into the weeds here, but many people tell you they're they're going to vote even if they're not going to vote. Aren't there that's, screening questions to handle that? That's what we do is screening questions, but. People think they voted a month after an election, okay. even if they didn't. Gotcha. They, they literally forget who they voted for. There, there's, some, there's some remarkable research on this. Whoever wins the election gets an uptick in the number of people after the election saying they voted for them. Interesting. People oh. want to side with the winner yeah. after the election. Yeah. And, and as to the poll that you're mentioning there, I, I hadn't read the. Uh, I have not read the. NPR well, poll. here's what. Okay, so NPR shows a smaller jump. They show the jump among independent voters, but it's a small mm-hmm. one. Um, but. It's interesting. You say that the Fox numbers are suspect, and the NPR poll may give you uh, uh, some evidence of that because um, on whether Trump should be impeached and uh, removed for from office, both there's a there forty eight forty eight. It's right. A, well, and uh, Quinnipiac found that just a couple of weeks ago it was forty seven to forty seven, and the numbers are now down. As of a week ago, that the numbers they took an initial spike because you had Pelosi going on prime time and basically declared that the administration is corrupt. And now people are starting to look at the evidence and it's not exactly strong. And the support for impeachment is going down. So, Jim, that's an interesting question. Mark just said something interesting. Um, We are we are seeing the numbers in a general way, slowly, incrementally and in a few minutes, I want to talk about what happened with President Nixon, but moving toward at least the American people saying an investigation is warranted, if not outright conviction uh, and removal from office. But it, it, the Democrats are going to have to make the case, not just on what they consider to be the evidence, but on their conduct in moving forward, aren't they? Uh, they, they are, they are. But I mean, I think, and, and I, I think this will fit in with what Mark, Mark is saying about uh, upswings and downswings on the attitude. I mean, voter attitudes are going to change with the amount of actual, real information that that comes to light. I mean, the 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 first news of a a a whistleblower report uh, that that. That struck some people. Then you had the White House releasing a memo of of that phone call, which kind of tracked with that. Uh, so, so those those that's new information, easy to understand, and and uh, coming from you know a, a fairly unimpeachable source here. Now, we, what we've had in the last few, uh, what we've what we've got going right now, uh, the House and the Senate are not in session, but uh, the House has continued to have hearings. But as we've said on this program before, because they've chosen to go through the House Intelligence Committee on this, these hearings are all closed. So, yeah, you get the you know, you'll get the 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 prepared statement, initial statement from, say, a, a Marie, a Marie Yovanovitch, the, the former uh, U.S. ambassador to, to the Ukraine. But you don't know the details yet. Yeah. I, and, and and that until we hear that, until we get that information, I think, you know, people are sitting back and waiting. You, you know, the other thing we, you were referencing the Nixon situation um, the two are very different. I think people understood what happened with the Nixon situation. It was a break-in. It was a cover-up. 
I bet you not 10% of Americans could name the president of Ukraine, the prime minister. I think they don't know what happened. It's just this is just a visceral reaction that almost parallels the favorable unfavorable to, to Trump. The Democrats have been screaming impeachment for two years. This is not new. They've just grabbed onto some new issue. And I don't think that they've I don't think they've grabbed onto an issue that anybody really understands. They so, may understand that they think Biden did something and he asked for some foreign help in investigating Biden. But I don't think they really understand this, what the charges are. And, and this is why this is why you even even though a lot of people say you don't need it. This is why Democrats are really pressing hard to the Department of Defense, to OMB for for details of 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 how that 391 million in military aid to Ukraine was held up, if it, if indeed it was held up, that's why they're looking for that info, and that's that's why I think that's you know if they don't find that, Mark, I think you're right. You know, it's 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 going to be hard to. Per, uh, I think yes, the quid pro quo may may not be legally required. But I, I think to 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 get a, a political consensus on it, I think people are going to have to see something like that. How many Democrats will be able to vote no based on evidence is another question. They have walked so far down the plank of the ship. How are they going to ever vote no now that they're here if they voted for impeachment? I don't think they can. Well, so, so they have to move forward no matter what the evidence is, practically speaking. So, so this is where uh, not having our Democrat at the table with us today makes a difference. Um, I, I think that ha- if we did have our Democratic panelist here today, she would have said to you, Mark, n- no, people understand that President Trump asked a foreign leader f- to inter- to help get dirt on, a, on the opponent that he fears most in the 2020 election race. And, uh, and that's fairly simple to understand. I also, th- I do think, and, and I want you to respond to all yeah, of this. Sure. I do wonder if the Democrats overplay their hand by co- talking about a quid pro quo. That's tough for them to really prove unless they get some very compelling documents or whatever from from the subpoenas they're sending out the search the search net they've sent out there uh, because the because I think Democrat the Democrat had she been at the table they would have said you don't need a quid pro quo what you've got is a president in in notes from a phone call asking for help from a foreign leader to uh, get dirt on an opponent your response. I'm sure that's you're correct in the sense that that's what um, a, the Democratic perspective is, because that's the Democratic argument. I think if we were to poll it, most people could not tell you what this was about. I don't think they even understand the basics of it, other than they either like Trump or they don't. Interesting. It's different. Well, than, but there is it. OK, there is another him. question. Jim, if if President Trump's, you know, I just said a minute ago that I think in addition to getting evidence, Democrats are going to have to comport themselves in such a way that the American people grow to really trust what they're where they're headed with this thing. I don't think, say, for instance, we talked about this on the show the other day. Adam Schiff did himself any favors right. when he did a parody of a gangster uh, uh, behaving as President Trump in the phone call with President Zelensky of Ukraine. But similarly... The president's response and the anger, the vitriol, the obscenities that seem to be uh, coming out of him now, I just wonder if the American people aren't going to be judging that as well and the refusal to participate in any way in the inquiry. Yeah. And and, and look, this is and uh, I I think uh, a lot of us, we we would point to the the only thing uh, other than the Watergate uh, impeachment in our experience, which is Bill Clinton uh, in in, that was what, 94 or 96, 98, 98, 98. Okay, And and of course, uh, the the. The rap there on Republicans is that they were alleged to have lost the middle there. And that's where, Mark, I think you're right. I I think it's going to be hard for any House Democrat to vote no on the impeachment question because they've walked down the road so far. I'm not sure that there's going to be any 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 uh, they're going to pay any penalty for that. Just given how how polarized we are already. I agree with you. That's that's the other flip of the coin is they almost can't pull back. But does it from a pol- just and all we're talking about today is politics, not policy per se. Wow, that was a lot of peas in a row. But um, <laughs> but but in but in reality, does it even hurt Democrats when most of them are elected from Democratic leaning districts? Probably not. Right, and 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 look, I, I think you know, I think even Lucy McBath, 
uh, uh, may get a walk on this. She's going to be interesting to see in the long run, though. I, she may get a, a, a pass, as you put it, but she has been much more tentative about this issue. Right. But but you don't. But but you. But it comes off as tentative, not thoughtful. Um, she's mm-hmm. more concerned about the politics of it, I think, is how it's being perceived, as opposed to if she's really contemplating whether she'll vote yes or no. I don't think anybody questioned that she was going to vote yes. So, yeah. uh, go ahead. Okay, now, now, now that we've got a pollster in front of us, okay, yeah. all right, and this is this is kind of on the same topic, but maybe a little bit different. Um, I, I, to, to your point, Bill, I, I, you know, I did watch the the uh, the, uh, the 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 Trump. Uh, the Trump rally last week, uh, not in Louisiana, but in uh, in Minnesota. Minnesota, he was up, in Minnesota. Yep. You know, and the language just the language was 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 appalling. I mean, it was. I mean, there were there were things that had he said them in the South would have registered far more differently. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, than they than they did uh, there last week, and and Mark. At, at what point does does I guess I would call it Trump fatigue come into come into polling uh because i mean to to the question of whether uh we we have gone through three years of high drama as far as the white house is concerned how you know at what point do voters say okay you know all right i'll I'll give you know trump's done plenty of stuff i like but i don't think i can handle four more years of this well, it always depends on who someone is running against. It's easy to look and see, are people concerned about, are they, are they fed up, are they, do they have fatigue is the term. Um, that's one question. Until you pair them with Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. that is going to be a different scenario. Because then the question is, do you put up with the fatigue? Because there are people that are probably his voters that are tired of reading about somebody getting fired from the White House, having a cheap shot thrown at them as they close the door on the way out. And then, you know, the new hiring of somebody. I mean, th- these sorts of stories, there is a fatigue to that. I agree with you. The other question is, but compared to what? And that's what pollsters often, in my findings, miss, is that they, comp- they, they make these, you know, grand, excited points that somebody is in a lot of trouble, and then the opponent gets into the play. And suddenly, you're going to have to deal with yeah. versus Elizabeth Warren or, or, or Biden. Or, or Biden. So here's another interesting... We should get to a break, but before we do, let, let me have just... Uh, take a minute on this. Um, It may or may not be Ukraine, but the president's uh, quick decision in a phone call to pull American troops out of northern Syria, that's Mm -hmm. getting criticized by the very people you said if he said those things in the South, he might be really in trouble by making obscene comments in in a rally in Minnesota. Well, evangelical leaders have been speaking out rather strongly uh, against President Trump, right. uh, uh, giving the uh, giving the Kurds, you know, turning his back on the Kurds. You've got and, and Franklin and, and Graham has criticized him, right, and, and putting Syrian Christians at, at, exactly at, at, at risk, exactly, and that. Had, had, that's a complicated, that's even more complicated than Ukraine, Mark. <laughs> now, now but you're going to County complicated. But it's pretty visceral. <laughs> it's pretty visceral to, if, to the criticism of you have abandoned people who deserve our support for all they've done for us. There are us. going to be issues that are about policy and they carry strong repercussions for policy. Is President Trump going to win or lose based on whether or not he's perceived to have abandoned the Kurds when... Single digits of Americans can name the group. I happen to disagree with what the president did, um, but that that is neither here nor okay. there. I, 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 but I don't think that most people could, can even name the, the the people that are involved in that situation. Before we break, I want to go through just quick some numbers on Nixon. Right. President Nixon was reelected in uh, 1972. When he took office in 1973, in January of 73, Gallup had him at 68 percent approval. By April, when the uh, cover-up started, when the when the break-in started gaining news, when uh, when the House began looking at what had happened there, his <laughs> approval rating started dropping. By by April, just a few months later, it was down to forty-eight percent in nineteen seventy-three. But it was really, Mark, as you probably know, more than a year before the bottom really fell out. On his numbers, um, even though the public in it thought that uh, that Watergate was a serious matter, 
uh, his approval ratings still held strong until the existence of the tapes came to light in 1974. These things take a long time to unfold is the point there. Well, they do. And, and, you know, I don't think you can connect, nor nor do I think you're even doing that, but to connect the Trump situation too much with the the Nixon situation. Why not? I mean, isn't it a matter of a a story that the American people are being told and they'll weigh in one way or the other on it as they understand it? You're asking me, you know, to make a projection on whether this eventually goes away or not. I mean, of course, if there's tapes and you have, you know, Trump rubbing his hands and saying, you know, some sort of corrupt thing, then, of course, that's an issue. But assuming for just a minute that he didn't do that, just assuming for a minute that he didn't do that, regardless of your position on it, this is a very complicated issue the Democrats have chosen to pick out. And um, this is not as simple as, you know, kind of a buffoonery version of cops and robbers where people, political operatives, break into a hotel, leave fingerprints and and the rest. This is not that. Um, This is, and it's also, you know, they're going to, there are going to be a lot of arguments that are that this is a, a foreign policy issue, there's going to be security brought into it. I don't. I just don't. I think this is a much more complicated issue than some guy breaking in a hotel. Foreign policy. Foreign policy is a hard yeah, issue very for, hard. for voters to, to right. decide on. Last, we got to get to a break. Tom Faust is looking at me like, take the break. Here it comes, Tom. I'm Sarah Amon. I own Out of the Blue in Blue Ridge, Georgia. We specialize in wines from around the world and high-end cheeses. And we also have craft beer. I think a lot of people that listen to GPB, it's just part of their day-to-day routine. I have people coming up from Atlanta just to see what Out of the Blue is all about because they hear our ads all the time, and they say so. To find out more about becoming a corporate sponsor, email sponsorship at gpb.org. On the next Fresh Air. Elton John returns to talk to Terry about his new memoir. It's pretty forthcoming about family, addiction, and sexuality. And so is their conversation. Join us. Fresh Air is this afternoon at 3 on GPB and gpbnews.org. Welcome back to uh, Political Rewind. Okay, so uh, I'm going to pull this up here. Oh, we have not talked about this in advance, Mark Roundtree or Jim Galloway, but that's fine. Ready. You can step in on anything. Uh, last night, our Virginia Prescott of On Second Thought uh, did an interview with Rachel Maddow at the Fox Theater. They recorded the conversation, and at some point, uh, you'll they'll announce when they're going to be able to produce it and put it on, I, I think, their show, On Second Thought. Uh, but I thought, Tom Faust, why don't we listen to the second soundbite? Among the many things that Rachel Maddow talked about, uh, and of course we know that Rachel Maddow has a liberal talk show, uh, which is a good thing today since we don't have a Democratic guest here. <laughs> and she talked about the president and his war on the media. I, I know that every president hates the press and every president complains about the press. What's going on now with this president is different. Actually, the only other mod- politician I've ever seen try to undermine journalism writ large the way our president is now, the only other politician I've ever seen try it is Spiro Agnew. It failed for Agnew. Um, we don't yet know if it's going to fail for this president. The effort to try to turn us into part of the fight where some of us are enemies and some of us are allies. Uh, shouldn't work because journalism is neutral in terms of its political impact other than the fact that we need it for our democracy. Rachel Maddow talking to Virginia Prescott last night at the uh, Fox Theater. Uh, So, Jim Galloway, uh, this, um, this comes at the same time that we've had this terrible news story about a video which shows... President Trump, a dummied up video, obviously, uh, massacring a number of journalists who are in the church of fake news. Now, the White House has already condemned this video. Nevertheless, it's a tone. It was it was shown on a Trump at, at a Trump property at a meeting of a what was it a pack of of of, of a, yeah, a Trump allied cons- pack yeah, at, at a Trump property. Yes. Uh, the organizers of the uh, of the uh, of, of the pack are now saying that it was kind of a a uh, uh, a a, a 
uns, unsolicited, yeah. unscheduled kind of appearance, and they do not condone it. The White House very quickly uh, understood that it was over the line. I think it was uh, the Kings. It was it was a scene from the second Kingsman, Kingsman yes, Kingsman exactly. movie, uh, which was actually the massacre at a at a at a at a church in Kentucky, I think. And they the the, the it, was, it was rather cartoonish, and this is. And uh, Trump's uh, Trump's uh, head was superimposed on the on the prime shooter, uh, and then the uh, the the various uh, media identities were kind of uh, thrown here and there. But it was uh, Bernie Sanders gets shot in the head. Blood erupts from him. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it, it, clearly the White House understood immediately that 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 was that that was a line not to be crossed. You know, Mark, I guess you could say it's a good thing that Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary, immediately responded and said in a tweet, the president hasn't seen it yet. He'll look at it soon, but we condemn it. Uh, on the other hand, um, how do you deal with the fact that this is a tone the president has set for hating the media? We had nothing to do with that. No, but 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 but. Well, don't 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 connect him to it then. It, it, I'm I'm asking whether they if you call the media the enemy of the people, which the president has done repeatedly, call mm-hmm. them despicable, call them fake news. Whether this is one of the consequences that you can expect when that's the tone that's been set. Well, I think they're saying that you should not expect that, which is why they condemned it. That that is not acceptable. And how do you, what do you think? I mean, how do you, what would you tell, how do you deal with when you're out there representing a candidate when critical stories get printed about your candidate? Is it automatically fake news if there's some criticism of a candidate expressed? Gosh, no. You deal with it every day. On on my end of things, we run campaigns for a living and some stories are true and some aren't. But you... uh, Or or wait, some stories are true or some aren't, but are some stories... Accurate, despite the fact they're critical of the candidate you're well, of representing. They're, they're accurate, but, they're, <laughs> okay. but then there's also context. Yeah, um, I don't think in the context of anything that Trump has ever called for a single act of violence against anyone, and he may view, rightly or wrongly, he may view media as his enemy, and therefore he takes on the sort of this odd verbiage of the people because it's not it's not an enemy of the people. Yeah. But, um, but it is kind of funny when Rachel Maddow, of all people becomes the purveyor of, you know, the, the guardianship of what's decent and neutral well, in media. Her I term was, was neutral. I, I was she just going to say that. I, was, I, I actually, well, I was actually going to say that, Jim, and we're almost out of time, and I wish we had a couple more minutes, but you get about 30 seconds. Uh, it, it, you do, people would challenge, as Mark just did, her description of the media as neutral. Certainly MSNBC is not neutral, as Fox News is not neutral. There are people who think the Washington Post and the New York aspects, Times are neutral. There, but there are people within those two organizations who I think probably are neutral. Yes. Right. And the other part of, 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 of this discussion that we can't have right now is the departure of Shepard Smith from I, Fox that's News. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, you know, you've got Chris Wallace left holding down what I and, think. And, and, and several others in there. Yeah. All right. We are completely out of time for today's show. I'm sorry we're not going to be able to talk more about that because it's a really interesting uh, topic. But Mark Roundtree, Jim Galloway, thank you for being here today. Hey, tomorrow we're going to do a show on the history of partisanship in American politics to coincide with the impeachment inquiry going on. And Jim Galloway just told me Quinnipiac is going to announce a new release, a new national poll at three o'clock today. It's any minute now. See you tomorrow at two. 